0: The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education.
1: We don't need no thought control.
2: Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson.
3: Welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And how true that is, and what an appropriate statement before we start talking about a different type of classroom education, right? Yes, absolutely. And we are going to continue our conversation
2: with Mr. Jeremy Tate. Uh, Listeners, if you had a chance to check out our previous episode, Mr. Tate was so kind to join us for two. He is the founder and CEO of the Classic Learning Test. He's very involved in the development of classical education across the nation, really. He also is a participant with the Anchored Podcast, which is the CLT podcast. I will say I have taken a listen to it and found it very insightful, Mm -hmm. as well as doing a lot of fun work on Twitter. His handle is at JeremyTate41, and some of the really fun things that he puts on Twitter that I really enjoy, and we'll maybe talk just a little bit about why he does this, is he posts a lot of pictures of things that are beautiful, beautiful Mm. libraries, beautiful cathedrals, and so welcome, Mr. Tate. We're so glad you're here with us. And maybe we can just talk a little bit about why are you such a proponent of truth, beauty and goodness?
4: Abigail, Rebecca, great to be back. And, and by the way, I love, love, love your intro music. Whoever picked that out is a genius. <laughs> well,
3: Thank you, ben, that Rebecca. That would be Rebecca. <laughs> 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 Thank you. It's funny because I don't think Abigail likes it as much as I do. <laughs> oh, oh, no.
4: <laughs> oh, couldn't Fantastic. It's Fantastic. <laughs>
3: All right. Very good.
2: Thank you for the compliment. We will take that one. We're going to start fighting about it when we get off the air again. (laughs) Thanks for picking up that one.
3: (laughs) But the words truth, beauty, and goodness are associated with the words classical education. And you have created this classic learning test. You see the beauty and the importance of a classical education Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you're so passionate about it, and and really how you developed a love for classical education?
4: Sure, yeah, and I I always love hearing everybody's story because it's kind of most people discovered this as an adult or later in life. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a few kind of like second gen now people, like you know Josh Gibbs at Veritas, who grew up getting receiving a classical education. Uh, I did not. I mean, my mother, a great classroom teacher, uh, French and Spanish. Uh, so I, I grew up, but I, I was pretty bored, you know, yeah. in school, I think, as a lot of students are. And I, in fact, mm-hmm. I think that's inevitably what happens when you kind of rip the transcendentals out of education. Mm-hmm. Boredom is the inevitable result.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
4: But for me, what happened was well, a couple of things. One was uh, I was doing youth ministry uh 2007 to 10 in Annapolis, uh, EP Church in, in Maryland, uh, and there were three or four groups of kids. One group was the public school group, another was a homeschool group, there was a classical Christian school uh, kind of group they went they all went to Rockbridge Academy oh yeah um, mm-hmm. and I, I only knew where they went I knew nothing about this kind of education but it was really notable um, that something was happening there just the way the kids spoke the maturity level their love their genuine love for learning mm-hmm. um, it was my kind of first exposure and then really in seminary and, and, and being I remember sitting in class, it was never the point of a class, but I, 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 left New York city three years in the inner city thinking like, what are we doing? Like, what is, yeah. what is even the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it struck me in seminary, like, wow, like almost every other generation, they were trying to do something almost entirely different. And their goal Um, classical people call it a telos, right? Um, Their goal was really uh, human formation. It was a cultivation of virtue. In fact, education was often just called formation for centuries. Like, Hmm. he's being sent off to formation. She's being sent off to formation. It was so closely um, tied into the moral formation of young people that it was was called that. Hmm. And, you know, I was looking at what we were doing it wasn't even closely tied or even touching on character formation. It was just a solo sterile kind of credentialing, Mm -hmm. Uh, get your diploma so you can go get your next one. So you can go get your, your job. Um, And uh, yeah, so I I started to take a real interest in the way other people were educated. Um, And, you know, even though, even to the point of starting CLT, I actually did not know much at all about this whole movement happening. Um, I, I was, I have clear memories of tutoring students and running test prep classes and thinking, why do I have to go over for the 15th time this silly passage from, you know, some previous college board SAT test? Mm-hmm. How cool would it be to be doing Flannery O'Connor or mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis or Frederick Douglass or Jane Austen or Shakespeare right. instead of this nonsense? Right. And, um... Yeah. And then really, you know, once we got going, I think the the early enthusiastic adopters were all people in in this classical world. Hmm. And uh, it's been amazing now to be part of this as the classical movement has kind of burst onto the national scene.
3: It's all coordinated at the very same time. I mean, I feel like you were really poised to take advantage of this growth in classical education that you weren't even aware was happening when you developed the test. That's Mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Um, so I assumed that you had titled it classic learning test, kind of in honor of the classics and classical education, but it sounds like that's not actually the case.
4: Yeah, you know, early with so many conversations early days like what do we call this thing? And of course we didn't go with classical because there's no Greek, there's no Latin. A lot of folks yeah. think there there is. We're we're talking about kind of what happened with Coca-Cola Classic, right? It's like they had something really good. Mm-hmm. And then they, they tried to mix with their recipe, and people were like, stop, what are you doing? And they rebranded, and they're like, nope, we're going back. Coca-Cola Classic, you mm-hmm, know?
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: so that's kind of how we came up with the uh, idea for the name.
3: Got it. That's really interesting. Do you know that a long time ago... I. I actually suggested that for a marketing campaign for Liberty to have a postcard with all the class, classic Coke, classic rock, all the ways we yeah. use the word classic <laughs> and classic education, <laughs> going back to the best, the yes. root, the best, yeah. right? And, um, that's what it implies. So that is, that's, that's very interesting. I didn't realize that, but, um, so going, going back to your growing interest in classical education, you know, this is one of the things, um, that I, I have also noticed is that um, all of us that I'm aware of in in my circle learned about classical education as an adult. Mm -hmm. And it is really shocking because it's so effective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as an educator, my background is different than yours. I was actually a speech pathologist. And so a lot of my training is in child development and cognitive development. And I was just... So, I, 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 I was completely sold on classical education by learning about the various stages of learning. So the grammar, the logic, and the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, they coordinate so perfectly with the way a child was designed to learn that I thought, oh my goodness, why isn't every child educated like this in this country? And yeah. of course, you know, there's a whole history as to why that's not the case anymore. But you, you pair that with the virtue and the idea of truth, beauty, and goodness. And, um, it, it is beautiful and it is so effective. And going back to how you first learned of it, you watched high school kids, or maybe they were even middle schoolers. I'm not sure. You were a youth director in yeah. a church, and you saw a distinct difference amongst the kids who were attending a classical Christian school. And so, um, you know, why don't you speak to a little bit, you know, why do you think there is such a difference? You know, do you want to help our listeners understand really what is the difference between a classical education? You talk about truth, beauty, and good- goodness, but how does that play out in the classroom other than you're teaching virtue? Yes, we are teaching virtue, but there's more to it than that that makes these kids more mature, more responsible, more interested in learning. Can you talk about that?
4: Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I I think about being in the last couple of years, I was in a public school uh, environment. I I would ask the students, and I I think they thought I was asking them a trick question, and I was asking them because I didn't know. And I was coming to kind of just the point of just not just disenchantment, but kind of despair about what we were doing in this whole big, massive public school endeavor. And I would ask why are we here? What's the point of school? And, and and literally almost every kid would say something along the lines of to get a better job. And yeah. they would say it like we know this already, like to get a better job. Mm-hmm. And I, I would write up on the board just because I, I had seen the quote and it really struck me. Um, what I hear is not exactly a Plato quote. It's kind of a synthesis, a synthesis yeah. from part of the Republic that the object of education is to learn to love what is beautiful. And I write that on the board and they're like, well, what does that even mean? And we we'd start to talk about, about that. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the reason classical education is catching absolute fire right now is the same exact reason why, you know, Beauty and the Beast is it never dies and mm-hmm. it's forever popular. Mm-hmm. It's that this, these kinds of stories, the stories that are classics, are the ones that in any context, any generation, any society, they so profoundly touch on the most universal aspects of what it means to be human that every generation Mm -hmm. sees them as worthy of passing down to the next. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're formative on young people in that way. And I I think what we're seeing is, is kind of like my experience, you know, people meet other people's kids who are receiving this kind of education. They're like, what, what are y'all doing? Your kids are amazing. You know, they're well-spoken, they're respectful, and they seem to really like school. Mm -hmm. Like what's up with that? You know, they're not miserable. Like they, they seem (laughs) to, They, right? yep. they like, it. Um, <laughs> and, and that's why it's it's reached this uh, you know kind of the, the Malcolm Gladwell tipping point. I think it, it's happening right now, um, and, and in a way, I mean, there's whole districts in Florida, whole districts that are are, are rolling out a classical track. For every student. And we're talking about public schools. Wow. Yes. I read
2: that Miami-Dade County that. is thinking about yeah. doing this, which if, if listeners, if you're not aware, we've mentioned Miami-Dade County before only because it, it just for Florida, it is one of the more liberal counties mm-hmm. in Florida. So when I read that article, yeah. my jaw dropped a little bit. Yeah. Um, and what is interesting to me th- that I mean, obviously, it, it's probably quite new down there, but I'd love to see. Because some of the difference between what we would call a standard education and classical education is in classical education, we're we're willing to state that it is not values value neutral, mm-hmm. um which yeah. I mean, really standard education, what kids are getting in public schools, it's also stating values, but they will say we're not teaching values. But yet you do have to look at their curriculum and see, you mm-hmm. really are teaching values of some sort. So I, I'm i very curious to see how that translates
1: mm-hmm.
2: when you're teaching it without sure, yeah. a, a religious component. Right. I mean, I'm sure they're figuring something out, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that I'm interested in that. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea that that was
3: happening in Florida.
2: Hmm.
4: Yeah, I think the way they're, they're trying to do that is making a distinction between virtues and values. Sure. And mm-hmm. the virtues, you know, at least the four cardinal virtues that, you know, the ancient world was able to agree on um that may be and it's funny i was talking to mother jones of all of all people just a week or two ago and uh you know not not people you would expect to be friendly towards classical or conservative ideas about education um and they were actually very interested of like yes like education should teach students about the concepts of, of justice like everyone left right center knows we ought to be teaching our students you ought to be patient. You're going to be happier if you're patient. We're mm-hmm. teaching them these these character virtues that have been totally lost.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is actually the way a lot of the classical charter schools have done okay. it. They... They actually have their list of virtues, and then they really incorporate those in. But you know, obviously, coming from a classical Christian school, the ideal is being able to point back to the why, right? Mm-hmm. You know, why are these virtues important? They're good for us as humans, but they're also things that you know we would take it the step further and say that this is what we're called to be—the fruit mm-hmm. of the, the fruit of the spirit—and so that's the benefit of the classical Christian piece, mm-hmm. but. Focusing in on those general human traits and virtues, yes. I think, is is also really important. And it's probably more the way education used to be way back prior to, yeah. you know, the onset of modern education in the 1920s or so.
2: Well, and some of and, the and things think,
3: that... Oh, I'm sorry, Jeremy, go ahead.
4: Uh, I, was say, I, I think this is where the classical charter movement is going to help Christian schools of, like, be distinct, yeah. And what's really different about you is not just classical anymore, but it's that you're classical Christian. Yeah. And so my hope and prayer is that classical Christian schools will double down and embrace feverishly their, their Christian identity.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know we do at Liberty. You know, we say that we are unapologetically Christian, and that is a big part of what we are doing. It's integrated into every subject, and um, and yet the the academic level is high. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just yeah. about the Christian values, right? So, um, and that kind of leads me to, were you going to, wait, did you want to say something else? Okay. Um, that leads me to the pre-conversation that we had, Jeremy, about, um, you know, a standard high school today, whether public or private and even mm-hmm. sometimes Christian, the focus often is on AP. And, you know, the, the yeah. idea being, well, I'm going to take advanced placement classes because it's going to give me some college credit. Parents like it because it saves their, them some money as their kids go off to college. Uh, the colleges like it because you know their hope is that it's the the better students that are taking those classes, and then the students like it because hey, they can get out of some of their college time, and so it's sort of this it feeds itself, right? Um, and it and, and I think it's one of the reasons why it's still so popular, even though now we know that these kids are not mastering the material. Teachers are being trained through College Board to teach to the test. And they, as I like to say, they tend to be an inch deep and a mile wide. They're, they're not teaching kids how yeah. to think. And a classical education teaches kids how to think. And so maybe maybe talk about that differential a little bit.
4: Sure, yeah. And, and I'm happy to talk about AP as well if that's helpful. Yeah. I, mean, I think you know, if you think back to 20 years ago, it's hard to even describe how powerful kind of the the a p brand was twenty mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. um it was it was a huge deal, and not that many kids did it either and if you right. did, it was a big deal yeah um and it, it's come on a very hard time so we can we can definitely talk uh more about that can you can you kind of restate that question
3: actually? Sure what I was saying is the traditional American high school, whether it be public private or even Christian, tends to Go towards AP as their go-to rigor. You know, they think, well, this is going to be the rigor that we're going to provide at this school. We're going to, we're going to really promote AP classes. And what I was saying is it's sort of this, um, kind of circular, uh, support because parents like it because they think it's going to save them money because the kids get college credit. The, Colleges like it because they think they're going to get smarter students. And then the students like it because they think that's going to release them from having to do four full years of college. So, But academically, just from a pure academic, not even going into the values that are taught in the AP classes, which I would like you to touch on, even just from a pure academic standpoint, it doesn't hold a candle to classical education. And so I would love to have you talk about that.
4: Yeah, and some of the leading classical schools in the country, you know, place like Veritas in Richmond, I, I don't, I'm almost positive they don't have a single AP class.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
4: and that's, you know, out of the gate, that was a very principled, tough decision for them to make.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, you know, but it's been, that is more and more of a trend right now that schools that are really focused on academic excellence, they either have None or they have very few. And if they do yep. have some, um, it tends to be things like AP, B, C, Calc or something yep, like that. That's us. But, even, <laughs> yeah, yep. it, that's right.
3: Go ahead. Um, keep going.
4: But yeah, even on the college side, they've, they've really, really – various colleges now are giving, you know, maybe for a four or five – But but a lot of colleges have gone away from giving any credit at all now for AP courses.
3: Yes, yes. And actually, I believe it was back in 2014, I read an article that Dartmouth was going to eliminate all credits for AP starting in 2018. And Mm -hmm. to your point, I think a lot of schools are following suit. And, um, you know, maybe you can compare that type of an education. If you're doing all AP, compare that to what you're getting in a classical school.
4: Yeah. You know, and there's, you know, we believe as as classical education lovers, you know, we're all Piper fans and we, we believe that leisure uh, is deeply connected to actual learning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the pressure cooker of like I'm taking 10 APs and I'm going to get fives on all of them. And Oh yeah. The kid also hates school and hates his life. <laughs> I think that is a reality. To yeah. like, like everybody knows that kid or we, we all have, have known that, that student. And so at great classical schools, they're cultivating a genuine love for, for for music and for art and for theater and for these things that we consider kind of the useless arts. And a really good classical school is hyper-focused not on what are you going to do for a job, but on what are you going to do in the other, you know, 140 hours a week or, or whatever it is that you're not working. Mm. Uh, what are you going to do then? How are you going to live? What's going to make your life meaningful? And that's, you know, and especially we're thinking about a world where, AI is going to continue to disrupt work Mm -hmm. more and more. We need to know what to do with ourselves. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And know that what you do in your high school years and or your college years, um, I I would say the vast majority of adults that I talk to, you know, you ask them, what did you go to college for? What was your major? And are you using it now?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, 90% of them are not They are not using yeah. it now.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So
2: you know, parents, as you're thinking about, you know, what what do I want for my child? You know, of course, we want them to be productive, and I I would argue that classical actually sets students up for success because exactly what you said, Jeremy. The world is changing. It's very different now than it was ten years ago, and I I am confident that it will be very different in 2033 than it is yep. now and mm-hmm. and classical builds skills that
3: help students become very adaptable mm-hmm. it, it supersedes an actual particular career it sets them up for it, success that, that is one regardless. of the best
4: ways i've heard somebody put it it makes them super adaptable and yeah. i i think honestly that's been part of the secret sauce of why clt's been so successful we're mm-hmm. hiring st john's college they, they had no major they, they, there's one there's no majors there it's, it's liberal arts. It's a deep dive in books. We're hiring from Hillsdale and Patrick Henry and English majors, and 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 they're in, incredible, and they've had a, an immersion into classical education. But what it does
3: is it makes them a certain kind of person, mm-hmm. which I think is
4: what the world in 10 years is going to need more than any particular specialization.
3: Mm-hmm. Makes them a virtuous person, and uh, yeah, and a person that's hardworking and, and willing mm-hmm. to question. Mm-hmm. And I think, at
2: least in in my yeah. role at Liberty, yeah. and what just with my legal background, what we saw over the past three years with COVID is a stark difference between those who were willing to ask questions, and even if you ask questions, that doesn't mm. mean we were all on the same side or came down on you know oh, came to the same yeah. end conclusion. But there was a stark difference between people who were willing to ask questions and people who shut up and did what they were told.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think, and I pray that we continue to use what happened to encourage kids to ask questions,
1: mm-hmm.
2: ask questions why, and that is what classical allows them to do through classical works of literature and to realize you know, guess what? You know, you're a real smart kid, but you're actually not the first person to ever come a- ask this question. Mm-hmm. People have been yeah. asking, you know, who are we? You know, what what is the nature of man? What is the nature of God? If you believe in God, how do we, you know, is the human heart inherently good or inherently evil? And how do we wrestle around with that? Um, Those are things that we've been asking since the very beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And that's what classical allows students to do so that someday it's very normal for them to simply ask, why? And Mm -hmm. and I'm shocked at how few people are just willing
3: to ask why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how few people. Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a little lighter from that because that was excellent. Um, but I wanted to point something out, Jeremy, that I think you are mm-hmm. probably noticing as well because I think you wrote an article about this. Is that you know college entrance um, is one of these things we're seeing a lot of colleges struggling with enrollment in the last couple of years, especially some of the small private Christian colleges. Yeah but the ones that are having exponential growth are ones that have classics programs or like Hillsdale. I think they had 50 in your, in your article. I think it was quoted as having 53% growth.
2: Um, in just,
3: I think in just even one year that was. And so talk about that too. What people are Students are probably, they're speaking with their feet a little bit, you know, they're voting with their feet. They're saying, I don't want to go to these colleges that are going to teach me to hate America and hate myself and <laughs> everybody else, you oh, know, yeah. um, and, and they're finding these schools that have these classics programs. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, too?
4: Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a 13% decline over the past 10 years alone in, in young people going to four-year brick-and-mortar liberal arts colleges. Mm. 13% over That's 10 big. years, which is That's very significant. Very significant. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they've doubled enrollment at Benedictine College. They've set mm-hmm. all-time record at Ave Maria. Hillsdale is under a 20% acceptance rate. They doubled enrollment in almost one year at New St. Andrews College wow. in Idaho. They had record apps uh, two years ago at Grove City College. Uh, Patrick Henry, you look at Thomas Aquinas, they launched a whole new campus in Massachusetts, and, and it's filled up with a waiting list as well. And this is happening at the same time that there's a contraction, and and, off, and often actually schools closing their doors now uh, as well, uh, because these small brick-and-mortar liberal arts colleges a lot of them are not offering a liberal arts education right uh, they're not offering right uh, they're not offering <laughs> oxymoron, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not offering anything of value and and if they don't have kind of a brand name, uh, which is the only thing that gives some of these institutions value, uh they don't have any substance to keep them afloat.
3: Mm-hmm. Did't I hear that Gordon College was getting rid of their classics program because that's the other interesting thing is that in the last couple of years, I've read where some institutions are actually getting rid of their Classics program. Are you aware, aware of that at all?
4: You know, I, I think Gordon did, yeah, but I, I think a place like Gordon has done a really good job of maintaining a really serious uh, core curriculum, um, and they've also started, uh, and, and I'm not sure the difference there with the graduate and the undergraduate, but they've out, the, Gordon actually has one of the four top, uh, and the ones that I recommend the most, graduate programs for Uh, heads of schools, administrators, and it's actually run by uh, all people, Keith Nix at the Veritas School, Eric Koch, who's the president of the Society for Classical Learning, so It's a Gordon graduate program, but it's run by all these folks kind of well within the movement uh, for a long time. So, um, Hmm, That's good. But, yeah, was there another question on that as well?
3: No, no. I just wanted to make that point that, you know, the college is offering the classics seem to be really thriving. And I think it's important for people to take a look.
4: Yeah, it, and it's bucked all the all the national trends. I yeah. mean, it, it really has. And, and, you know, you just go and and it just takes visiting. It yeah. doesn't, you know, you go to one of these, you go to Hillsdale and it's like, I had no idea college could be like that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of shocking. It's kind of shocking.
3: What a beautiful thing. Well, we are out of our time again. It's amazing how fast these conversations go. Uh, but Jeremy, thank you for joining us today to talk about classical education and why it is really taking off. and. Last week, joining us on the classic learning test, and you can follow Jeremy Tate at Twitter at, at Jeremy Tate forty one. There you go. go. <laughs> All right, thank Having you, you Rebecca.
4: I love the work y'all are doing. Thank you so much for being important voices in this movement.
3: Oh, thank, thank you, you, Jeremy. Take care. Good night.